Well, good morning. Welcome back to Long Hill Baptist Church. If you would take your sheets, stand with me, and turn to page number six, standing as we turn to page number six. There you'll find Neil at the Cross, our new song, number 124, Neil at the Cross. If you know it, sing out, help those who don't, and we'll learn it together. <clears throat> Let's sing it out. Kneel at the cross, Christ will meet you there. Come while he waits for you. Listen to his voice, leave him with your care, and begin life anew. Kneel at the cross, leave every care. Kneel at the cross, Jesus will meet you there. Kneel at the cross, there is room for all who would his glory share. Bliss there awaits, harm can ne'er befall those who are anchored there kneel at the cross leave every care kneel at the cross jesus will meet you there and the last kneel at the cross give your idols up look unto realms above turn not away to a sparkling cup, trust only in his love. Kneel at the cross, leave every care. Kneel at the cross, Jesus will meet you there. Amen. Good singing. You may be seated. Well, good morning. That's a good song and a good promise in that song. Amen. Uh, Kneel at the cross. Jesus will meet you there. Uh, praise God for Savior who went to the cross for us. It's good to see you this morning. Uh, I want to just give you a quick update. I received from Rathy this morning. Her sister Amy uh, is doing well in many regards, and she wanted to, uh, she's got her struggles for sure still. Uh, she want, wanted to pass along her gratitude for your prayers and she said you know I just I can feel I can sense that you're praying for me and she's thankful for every little answer her struggle continues for sure but she's thankful for your prayers and of course God hears our prayers amen and he answers our prayers Marilyn in the way that he sees fit and of course our right response when we see God answering in the way we hope he will is, is to be thankful and Amy is thankful, so we, we praise God for that. Let's go ahead and, and open in prayer this morning. Father, I thank you this morning, Lord, for who you are, uh, a great God, uh, a true God, a mighty God. Lord, I thank you this morning for the good report from Raffi's sister, Amy. Lord, I know this morning that her trial is real and that it very much continues, but we thankful, thank you, Father, uh, for the little improvements here and there and for the big ones too. Lord, we thank you this morning for her example of gratitude for prayer uh, and for answered prayer. Lord, uh, 
pray that you bless her and just continue to have your hand on her. Of course, have your hand on Ray and Rafi as well. Think of their nephew this morning as well. Lord, please have your hand upon Alex as well. Father, we, um, we pray for others in our church who are struggling this morning. I pray for Eloisa. Uh, Lord, you know her situation and, and the trial. And we just pray, Father, that you would uh, touch her, comfort her, protect her, encourage her this morning, Father. Lord, have your hand upon her, please. Father, thank you this morning for the privilege to meet together, to assemble together as you've called us to. Lord, thank you for the great privilege this morning that we enjoy as we assemble together in your presence. Lord, for your honor and for your glory. Lord, I pray this morning that you give us a real joy in our hearts as we yield to you. As we humble ourselves before you. Lord, as we bow our hearts before you. Uh, give us joy deep down in our hearts, Lord. And uh, give us a heart to worship you, to sing out to you and, and of you this morning. I pray that you bless each one. Father, I love you. I thank you. Lord, I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you would stand with me, take your bulletins and turn over to page number seven. There you'll find num hymn number 490. <clears throat> hymn 490, take my life and let it be, page number seven. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of Thy love, at the impulse of Thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let me sing always only for my King, always only for my King. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages for thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold, not a mite would I withhold. Take my love, my God, I pour, at thy feet its treasure store. Take myself and I will be ever only all for thee, for only all for thee. Amen. Good singing. You may be seated. Zach, is it hard to sing and then teach and then sing some more? A little bit. Thanks, Zachary, for his Sunday school lesson this morning. Um, you know, I'm learning a lot, and I'm thankful for that, and I, I pray that you've been uh, online uh, learning and, and taking notes. I appreciate Zach is taking time to review some of the material as he goes, and it's helpful, isn't it, uh, to hear it and then to hear some of it again a week or two later. It just helps us to kind of keep it all uh, in our minds. Brother Garcia, my mind is getting just a touch older, so it's, it's, review is a good thing, right? Uh, review is a good thing. Take your Bibles this morning, please, 
and turn to 1 Timothy uh, chapter 3, 1 Timothy chapter 3 this morning. Of course, this is Paul's inspired epistle to uh, the first of two, of course, uh, to young Pastor Timothy as he's there uh, pastoring the church at Ephesus. Uh, Timothy had some things to learn and probably was good for him to hear things more than, more than once as well. Uh, here in chapter 3, uh, Paul is sharing God's instruction to Timothy uh, regarding the qualifications for pastors, regarding the qualifications for pastors. And stop to think about that for a moment. Uh, why would that be so valuable for Timothy to be the recipient of, of this particular part of Scripture? Rich Lord could have used Paul to send this instruction to various uh, churches or other individuals. Well, uh, Brother Garcia, I, I think it's important for Timothy to have this instruction because he is serving as a pastor, right? So uh, this is instruction for men who are serving as pastor. Hey, these are things that ought to characterize your life. And of course, Paul wrote to Timothy uh, probably for that reason first, uh, but also I would submit this morning that, that these are the qualifications uh, for future pastors that the Lord uh, might have that church to call. So not only was this instruction for Timothy, uh, kind of how he could, should comport himself uh, as a pastor there at Ephesus, but uh, no doubt he was to take this and to teach it to the church so that uh, they would be prepared either to replace Timothy or to call additional pastors, uh, assistants, if you will. Uh, that this, These are God's qualifications. The Lord, of course, knows that uh, we as human beings tend to come up with our own qualifications for pastors, and you know, very often they're very different from what you see in Scripture. Uh, on Facebook, I, I belong to a few different pastor groups, and sometimes you'll see uh, postings there for churches that need pastors. And I'll look at the qualifications that they're looking for, and very often. Uh, sister, my heart breaks a little bit because it's clear that they haven't really thought about what God's qualifications are uh, for a pastor. I appreciate when a church will say, hey, we're just looking for God's man. Uh, and one of the ways that we'll know he's God's man if he meets the scriptural criteria for being a pastor. Well, praise God. That's, uh, that's a biblical approach. And before we continue, I want to offer you this morning uh, a third reason, uh, a third reason uh, that Paul has shared these criteria with Timothy, uh, who is pastoring a church. And uh, this might be one uh, that you've not yet considered before. So, so get this if you would. Uh, I dare say that Paul wanted Timothy not only to kind of live out these criteria in his own life and to teach them to the church so that they would be prepared to uh, evaluate and consider, hey, does this man, this candidate meet God's criteria? But I also would suggest this morning that the Lord wanted Timothy to teach these criteria to the whole church, but particularly to the men of the church, so that they could take care to be living out these criteria so that their life would already be conformed to the requirements to serve as a pastor in the event that God chose to call them. Do you think? Do you think? And boy, what, doesn't that make great sense that all the men in the church would see, well, okay, I don't, I don't know what God has for me in the future, but 
I, I guess it's possible that God might call me uh, to serve as a pastor either of our church uh, or a, a church plant that our church might begin. Um, so, boy, w- wouldn't it be good if, if my life already uh, aligned well with these criteria just so that God could call me? Guys, I want to suggest also to you this morning that whether or not God calls you in the future to serve as a pastor, uh, wouldn't it be good if, if your life just aligned with the things that we see here in this passage? They're all good things. They're all good and godly and, and, and righteous and holy uh, characteristics that we do well to take up in our lives, whether or not God ever calls us uh, to serve as a pastor. So I would have you to keep all of that in mind this morning uh, as we study, uh, begin to study uh, the Lord's biblical criteria for a man to be called uh, as a pastor. Would you stand with me if you're able to this morning? Please stand if you're able to. I want to read just the first eight verses. We'll, we'll read the, the, the eight verses that deal with God's criteria, uh, qualifications for a pastor. We also have the qualifications for a deacon in this passage, and uh, they're similar. There's much overlap. We'll, we'll come back to that later on. But let's just see the first eight verses here this morning. Uh, here in 1 Timothy uh, 3, uh, I should say the first seven verses, beginning in verse 1, uh, this is what the Bible says. Uh, Paul writes to Timothy God's words. He says, this is a true saying. Uh, if a man desire the office of a bishop, that's a pastor, he desireth a good work. A bishop must then be blameless, he must be the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good report, of good report, uh, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, I should say, uh, given to hospitality, apt to teach. Verse 3, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, uh, he'll not get rich as the pastor, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. Verse 5 says, For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Verse 6 continues, He should not be a novice, uh, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. And then lastly, verse 7, Moreover, he must have a good report. I skipped ahead. I got ahead of myself before. He must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Biblical qualifications of a pastor this morning. Let's pray, please. Father, thank you, Lord, uh, for giving us your instruction regarding the qualifications for a pastor. Uh, Lord, I thank you this morning that we have this. We we would naturally tend to come up with all sorts of, of requirements that really are not biblical at all. And so I am thankful, I'm grateful, Lord, for your instruction uh, given to us by Paul through Timothy. Lord, I thank you this morning that, that we can know that these are truly your words. This is a true saying. Uh, Lord, you're the God of truth and, and your words are true. And these are the true requirements from you 
for a pastor. Now, Lord, I pray that we would take up these words, that we would receive them for all the reasons that I've mentioned this morning, so that uh, our church would be equipped with the qualifications for calling an assistant or whatever the need is in the future. Uh, Lord, that we would um, also, um, that our men, that our men would understand uh, what would need to characterize their life so that you may call one of them, one of us, uh, as a pastor. Lord, you called this pastor out of this assembly. What a joy it would be to see the next pastor called out of the same assembly. Lord, I don't know if that man is here today. Perhaps he's not, but maybe he is. Lord, help us to take these things seriously, to learn them, and especially for the men. Lord, I pray that our lives would be characterized by these things for your honor and your glory and your purposes. Father, help us now as we begin to examine these things this morning. Lord, I love you. I thank you. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So I want to begin this morning uh, with a question for the men. Now, ladies, you don't get to check out, okay? Uh, we, we, we need our ladies to understand all of these things as, as well as our men. So I'll be speaking uh, a lot to the men, but ladies, uh, please, this is important for you to understand as well. Men, each of you, look up here, please. Has God called you to serve as a pastor? Has God called you to serve as a pastor? Some may say, well, absolutely not. I'm sure that's not the case. And that might be the case. That might be the case. That might very well be the case. But uh, has God called you to serve as a pastor? You might say this morning, uh, yes, I, I believe he has. Uh, we should talk about that. <laughs> you might say this morning, no, I don't think he has. Uh, and then my question for the men of the church becomes, are you open to the possibility that God may call you to serve as a pastor in the future? Are you open to that possibility? Now, if you're honest, uh, someone might say, don't, don't say it out loud. <laughs> Some might say, you know, I, I, I have no interest. I, I, I don't think so. I know, I know it's a hard thing. I know it's, uh, it's not an easy thing. Uh, I'm not sure that I am. May I say this morning that all of the men, and really all of the women of our church, all of the members of our church should be open to uh, having God call you into any place of service that he chooses to call you into. Somebody say amen. Somebody did already. Thank you. Every single person in our church should, should come and say, Lord, here I am, uh, a living sacrifice uh, my life matters, Lord, because of you, uh, and, and the most important work in my life is the ministry work that you call me to, whether I'm a man or a woman. Uh, that's the most important thing. And so, Lord, here I am. You, you may have to confess, you know what, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid. Sister, I almost said I'm a scared. That's not a word, is it? But if I said it, you know what I mean, right? Lord, I'm a scared that you might call me to serve as whatever it is, a Sunday school teacher, uh, wh whatever it is, a pastor. Lord, Lord, honestly, I'm afraid. I don't know that I could do that. Well, may I say that if God calls you, he will make it possible. Amen? Uh, you, you remember, of course, that um, the moment that you were saved, God gave you a spiritual gift, right? 
God gave you a spiritual gift. Uh, we've looked, uh, do, do this for me. Turn over to Romans chapter 12 and verse 6. Turn over there just for a couple of minutes, please. Romans chapter 12. Don't lose your place here if you can. Uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse 6. You understand, you remember this morning that the moment that you uh, heard the gospel and, and the Holy Spirit convicted you, you were a sinner, and, and that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life, and that the only way you could be forgiven uh, was to repent of sin and place your faith in Christ. You made that decision. You were saved in a moment. You understand in that same moment the Holy Spirit came and indwelt you uh, and gave you uh, one of a number of spiritual gifts. I believe it's one uh, of a number of spiritual gifts that God has given you to use really, I, I think exclusively, uh, in service as, as a church member, uh, in, ser in the Lord's service as a church member, uh, in and through your church. It could be in a formal ministry of the church, uh, or it could be quite informal, just kind of to lead you and help you and equip you for the kinds of things that uh, you're to be focused on in your church, whether it's a very formal ministry or more of an informal contribution uh, that you make to the church. Let's look here quickly in, in, in Romans 12. Everybody here who's saved has one of these gifts. Uh, Romans 12 and verse 6, Lord says, having these then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, uh, whether prophecy, this refers not to telling the future, uh, but to speaking forth the, the mind and the counsel of God, the truth of God's words. Uh, let, us, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, uh, this is the gift of service, the gift of helps. Uh, the person who, who comes alongside to, to help uh, however they can. And boy, I'm grateful, I'm grateful for uh, everyone in our church, but uh, naturally it's, a, it's just easy to be thankful for uh, the, the people that just are always stepping up. How can I help? How can I help? That's a spiritual gift. Uh, that's a spiritual gift. You're instructed to, uh, to wait on your ministering, to, to be faithful to it, to look for those opportunities uh, if, if that's your gift, the gift of ministry. Uh, teaching, uh, verse 7, ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching. We know what teaching is. If that's your gift, you need to find a way to do it. Uh, please remember that that could be a formal uh, teaching role in the church, or it could be just a very informal uh, looking for those opportunities to teach people, uh, ch fellow church members, during those teachable moments in your conversations with people. Uh, I believe God uses this gift uh, primarily to put people into formal teaching roles, but uh, sometimes there isn't a formal teaching role available, but your gift can be used nonetheless. Boy, if, if God has gifted you to explain Scripture and to help people apply it uh, in their lives, use that, employ that, uh, whether it's a, a, formal, a formal place of service or more of an informal one. God can use both, and, and he'll bless you for both, and he'll reward you in eternity for both. There's the gift of exhortation in verse 8. He that uh, exhorteth, do that, uh, be, be exhorting. Uh, this is to uh, call to one's side, to call to a place of obedience to God's word, to encourage and to admonish. Some of you have a spiritual gift uh, to do that, and 
this, is, this is not to be ignored. It's to be practiced. Uh, in verse 8 also, we see the gift of giving. He that giveth, uh, let him do it with simplicity, with honesty, without pretense. Uh, some are spiritually gifted to give more than a tithe, to give generously uh, and to do so humbly, not making a, uh, a show of it. And then there's ruling. Uh, the gift of administration, the supernatural ability to organize things. My go-to example is my wife, and I am thankful for uh, her supernatural ability to organize. And then there's the gift of mercy, to help those who are uh, afflicted, to do that cheerfully, the Bible instructs here, with a readiness and, uh, and a cheerfulness, to go to those who are suffering uh, and, and to be a great encourager to them. Marilyn, over the years, you've been my example uh, of this, and I realized today, you know, you're, you're more the one that needs to be the beneficiary of that gift than, uh, than I know you're still practicing that gift, but boy, um, here's the thing. Everybody in our church has one of these gifts, and, and boy, if we'll all be yielded to God and saying, Lord, just show me uh, lead me into those opportunities to use my gift, whatever it is. Lord, I give myself to you. Uh, God will use you. He'll use you. There may be a man in the church who has a gift to teach uh, or a gift of ruling or a gift of exhortation, a uh, gift of prophecy, one of the gifts that seems to point more directly uh, to uh, something that could be employed in, in serving as a pastor. It's possible that if you have one of those gifts, God may at some point in the future uh, call you into a pastoral role. So I ask you, this, I'm stop, take a breath, and ask you a question. Is that okay? I'm looking at the guys now. I'm looking at them all one by one. Is it okay? Is it okay if we, you say, well, I'm getting a little older, Pastor. I'm not, I'm not sure God would call me uh, to serve as a pastor. Do you know Dr. Tom Strauss? Do you know him? He's been a great friend and a great help to me, a mentor of sorts. Um, God had him to exercise his gift of teaching as a Sunday school teacher and seminary uh, professor for decades. And then all of a sudden, he felt God would have him to employ that gift as pastor. And you know what? There's a new church now because of that. Late in life, uh, quite late in life, God had him to uh, apply that gift that he had been using faithfully for years in a new role, in a new way, as the founding pastor of a new church. You know what? If he had not been willing to do that, there would not be that church. But he was willing to allow God to redeploy his gift however God saw fit. Is that okay? If that's what God wants, that's okay with me. Uh, and so I, I just encourage our men. Maybe you've never thought about it. But I just I want to encourage all of us this morning to say, God, help me to be available and willing to have you deploy or redeploy me and use the gift that you have given me in your service, however you may choose to do that. Is that okay? Boy, I want to encourage you. You know what? That, that, if you'll, maybe you've been resisting God. Maybe you've been kind of dug in. And you feel like, yeah, my, my, my ministry life, and all, everybody here has a ministry life, not just the pastor, getting kind of stale. I feel like God's not really using me, and I'm not sure I'm uh, accomplishing the things that God would have. Maybe you just need to stop and, and pray, Lord, I'm not sure that I've really been steerable. I'm not really sure that I've 
giving myself to you as a living sacrifice with, with a heart to allow you to redeploy me uh, and, and to use my spiritual gift in some new way if that's what you, not an unbiblical way, but as a member of a church uh, under the authority of a pastor and according to your word, uh, maybe God would uh, redeploy you or, or give you some new way to use your gift. Maybe you just haven't been yielded to God and there's kind of a staleness in your ministry life because of that. Uh, wouldn't it be exciting, wouldn't it be exciting, Brother Art, to see God begin to use people in new ways? The same gift and the same church, but God taking that gift and um, uh, using it in someone who's more yielded than they have been, saying, God, take me, use me, use that gift. Here I am. I think you get excited about that, don't you think? Wouldn't it be exciting if, if God began to give you new opportunities to use the gift that he gave? I think you could get excited about that. And as we saw each other kind of come alive and yield to God and, and, and God using you in, in, in new and different ways, uh, that would be exciting to me, and I think it would be exciting to each other. I think it would be pleasing to God, whatever it is. And so I want to encourage us this morning, whatever gift God has given you, just say, Lord, I, here I am. <laughs> I haven't really thought about it for a while maybe, but God, I understand you've given me a gift. You've called me to ministry. It doesn't necessarily have to be the same thing over time. I think the gift is, but the way the gift gets used in a church may be quite different over time, Dr. Tom Strauss. Um, I, I never saw him so excited as when, he, um, when God called him to take his gift of teaching and serve as a pastor. He got very excited about that. And, and we can too, we can get very excited about God using us. Well, with that said, let's, let's um, dive into our passage here. Uh, I wanna come back and um, look here, look here at uh, verse one again, please. Uh, the qualifications for a pastor, the qual and everybody, every, every man understands, I better pay attention now because uh, I may be in the business of calling a pastor in the future, but I, I suppose God could call me as a pastor in the future uh, if he chose to, if he chose to. Uh, so I'm paying attention now. The qualifications of a pastor according to God. So see verse 1 again, please. We're in 1 Timothy 3.1. This is a true saying uh, that God has me focused on his truth recently. You, you know that. This is uh, the true word of the true God. Uh, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth uh, a good thing. I want to back up to bishop for a moment. Uh, this is not the Catholic bishop who's exercising rule over a number of different parishes. Uh, this is one of the three ways that God refers to the office of pastor uh, in a church, right? So you remember bishop refers to the authority that God vests in a pastor. And of course, Wednesday night, uh, not Wednesday night, but last Sunday night kind of majored on authority. If you haven't seen or heard that message, please do. Please go online and uh, and listen to that. Then we have the word elder that refers to the maturity, the spiritual maturity that God desires uh, a pastor to have. Then there's the word pastor uh, that refers to the idea that uh, pastor is called to be a shepherd uh, of God's people. Uh, sheep need a shepherd, church members need a leader, uh, um, and, and so God calls a, a pastor to serve in that role. Uh, the pastor is the bishop, elder pastor. The word that's used here uh, by Paul is bishop. This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth 
a good thing. So uh, first thing I see here, and you know, when I read about the qualifications of pastors that are based on this passage, they, they often skip over this, but the first thing I see here, it says, if a what? What does it say? Brother Steve, what does it say there? If a what? A man. The word's there, right? It says that. Uh, if a man. He's speaking to men. Uh, he's specifically not going to address women as potential pastors. Uh, ladies, you understand, God is not going to call you to this particular role. He has plenty of other work for you, and it's no less important. Please get that. Write that down, please. The work, the ministry work that God calls women to is no less important than the pastorate, the role of a pastor that God calls men to. It's no less important. It's just different. Uh, it's just different. So uh, he'll be a man. We understand that. The, the God calls men uh, to serve in, in this office. Uh, we, we looked at this last week. Um, we saw in chapter 2, the Lord does not allow ladies to teach men or to usurp authority over men. That was chapter 2, verse 12. So we've seen that. We understand that. We, we, we took care to couch that in a biblical way and uh, make sure ladies understand they're not being abused by God. God simply has different roles for them. We, we saw that. So he'll be a man. That's the first thing. We should not lose sight of that. Uh, too many churches have. Uh, there's a lot of churches here in town. If I recall correctly, there's 13 churches here in town. That's a lot. Um, there's only one independent Baptist church in town. Um, the majority of the churches here in town are pastored by women. It's not biblical. It's not biblical. Uh, it's not biblical. Uh, majority might not be technically correct, but uh, when I checked in the past, that, that was the case. Uh, what I'm sure of is a large percentage of the, of the churches here in town are pastored by women. That's just not biblical. I don't know how God can bless that. Uh, it's just not biblical. Um, enough said, enough said. Uh, he'll be a man. Uh, he'll be a man. Uh, secondly, this morning, uh, he'll have a desire to serve as the shepherd of God's people. Uh, verse 1 again, this is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. Uh, the desire is not something that I see you know, in the commentaries and, and textbooks, but, but sure enough, it's there. I don't think we ought to skip over it. Uh, a man who God calls to serve as a pastor, he, he should have, he, he will have a desire uh, to do that. The word translated desire literally refers to having your passion or your heart set upon something. Let me ask you a question this morning. Are you passionate about anything? Uh, is, there, is there anything that you're passionate about? Uh, maybe you have a hobby that you're passionate about. Maybe you have some interest that you're passionate. It's, it, it literally has the idea of, of setting your heart or, or your passion uh, upon something. Of course, we all ought to be passionate about the Lord, about our Savior, uh, about His words, uh, about our relationship with Him. There ought to be a passion. Uh, our hearts ought to be, we ought to choose to be passionate and to apply our hearts to our relationship with the Lord. May I say this, just as a quick aside, if, if you've lost that or you don't have that this morning, may I encourage you to pray for that. God, I've, I've allowed my relationship with you to not be very passionate. Uh, I recognize this morning that, that there, my heart uh, really should be applied to, there, there ought to be a passion in my heart for you, God. 
a great desire to walk closely with you, a passionate desire, a burning desire uh, to, to, to live according to your word and to fellowship with you and to be in your word and, and, and to be in prayer. It, listen, if you don't have that this morning, it's good to just stop and acknowledge that and say, Lord, give me that. I, I know I should have that. Would you like to have that, church? Would you like to have that? passionate relationship with God? Amen. Lord, give us, a, give us a heart to have a passionate relationship with you. Uh, if, we've, if we've strayed away or allowed that flame to die down, Lord, stoke the fire in our heart this morning, please. Give us a burning, passionate desire to walk closely with you. Well, a man that God calls to serve as a pastor, he will have that. He'll have a passionate, burning desire, not just to walk closely with the Lord, but to serve in the capacity, in the role of the shepherd of, of the church members. You may say this morning, I don't have that. I, I don't have that. I'm afraid that God might, might call me because I don't have that desire. Well, don't fear that. If God calls you to serve as the pastor of this church, or a church that this church may plant, please don't forget my vision as your pastor is that this church will plant one or more churches uh, before I'm done being the pastor here. That remains my desire, my vision, because I know that's God's desire. Biblically, churches plant churches, and it's just a matter of God's timing and God's place and, and God's man and uh, the Lord to save some people that could be added into We don't need a church to get some people saved, of course, but that's my desire because I know that's God's desire. If God will call you into the role of serving as a pastor or anything else, men or ladies, he'll give you a desire to do that. He'll set your heart upon that. He'll give you a passionate desire uh, to serve in that area. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. If you don't have that uh, in your walk with God, ask him for that. And then ask him to give you a passionate desire for whatever it is that he wants you to be doing. It may be a formal position in the church, or it may be quite informal. Uh, God gives some the gift of giving. There's no formal, uh, visible role in the church that aligns with that. that that's a private thing. Uh, where, where God gives you a passionate desire to give more than a tithe and uh, to give offerings above and beyond. and uh, that's, that's a very private thing. It's, it's between you and the Lord. He'll give you a passionate desire to give that way if that's your gift and if you're yielded to him. Same applies to all of the gifts. Some will be applied in a very formal, visible way. Some will be applied in, in an informal way, usually visible, but not always. Not always. Um, Lord, help us. Lord, help us to have a passionate desire for you and for the place that you call us to. So he'll be a man. <laughs> he'll be a man. Uh, he'll have a desire for this good work that God uh, will call him to. Uh, he'll be a man and he'll have a God-given desire uh, to be in that place. Sometimes God will give a man a desire, but not open a door for him to serve in that place as a pastor for, for some time. Uh, meanwhile, he will give him opportunities to serve in other ways. That's okay. 
just serve and 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 stoke the the, the fire in, in your heart for the Lord and, and to serve Him however He allows you to serve at this time. Look at verse two, please. Look at verse two. He says, "A bishop. Who's that church? Who's the bishop? Pastor. The pastor." Uh, he then must, I'm going to read the verse, we'll look at just some of this today, okay? Uh, he must be blameless, that sounds scary, we'll talk about that. Uh, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior. By the way, that's the same word that's translated modesty in the last chapter. The same word, modest apparel. Uh, the, the, the apparel that's consistent with good godly behavior, uh, the same word is translated of good behavior here, uh, of good behavior given to hospitality. That's important. Apt to teach, uh, able and desiring to teach. He may or may not have the spiritual gift of teaching, but he'll have an ability. He'll have a God-given ability uh, to clearly teach the word of God uh, and he'll have a desire to do that. He'll, he'll have both the ability and the desire to do that. Let's, let's come back and, and look at this word blameless. This is the third thing that I see in the passage here. Uh, he should be blameless. Uh, I like the word. The underlying word literally has the idea art of not arrested. <laughs> the underlying word has the literal idea of not arrested. He's not, he's not uh, blameable uh, and therefore hasn't been arrested for some blamable thing. That's the literal idea of the word. It's also translated, I forget where else, unrebukable. Uh, he's not someone who needs to be arrested and, and corrected or, or rebuked for his behavior. Now that is not to say that he's perfect. Uh, it does not mean that the pastor will be perfect in every way. Look up here, please. Is your pastor perfect in every way, Marilyn? Marilyn's quick to say, no, he's not. I know, he's, and you're right, he's not. I'm picking on you, but you are right. Uh, this pastor is not perfect in every way. None of us are, right? That's, that's why we need a savior. Uh, but the pastor is called to be someone uh, who is uh, you know, a bit more mature in his walk with the Lord. He's not someone that people would look to and say, you know what, that man's life is a mess. There's all sorts of problems, and uh, he, he has a reputation for being one who is law-abiding. I think that would be a, a reasonable understanding. Uh, Dr. Sorensen, who I make reference to from time to time, he spoke here uh, in recent years, he says, there should be nothing in his life that would reflect negatively on the ministry or reflect negatively on the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, be it some ethical problem or moral problem or business problem or spiritual problem, Dr. Sorensen writes, or whatever else. He should not be a man that people look at and say, there's a life that, well, well that person may be saved. It's just a life of, of chaotic mess and uh, all, all sorts of issues uh, and problems. He should be someone who has regard for God's words uh, and men's laws. Uh, he should not be someone who needs to be arrested for some wrongdoing. Uh, he should be someone who recognizes that God has ordained civil authority. That goes back to Sunday night. Uh, he should be someone who obeys the law up to the point at which doing so uh, would cause him to disobey the Lord. Um, let me ask you a question. 
uh, aren't we all called to be blameless before the Lord? Isn't that true? We're, we're all called to know God's words and to obey them, right? We understand we won't do that perfectly, but that's our heart. That's our desire. We, so we yield to the Lord and, and we say, uh, Lord, I, I'll, if you'll enable me, if, if you'll give me grace from the Holy Spirit to live a life that's increasingly more sanctified, that's my heart. I, I yield to that. And the Lord steps in and creates a life that is increasingly more blameless, um, can God use a life that is more and more blameless? Someone's thinking, well, on, on Wednesday night, we saw the example of Samson. He, he was quite, um, not, he was not very blameless. He, he was quite blameable <laughs> at times. And, and yet God worked in his life. Yes, he did. He's a sovereign God. He's a powerful God. He will accomplish whatever he desires through any life that he chooses, whether we are blameless or not. I, so that's true. But, but isn't it also true, Brother Art, that God desires that we live a life that's as blameless as possible, a life that's, as, that's yielded to God and, and therefore increasingly holy uh, and therefore more available to God for his service. That's God's desire, right? He worked in Samson's life even though Samson, or through Samson's life, even though Samson wasn't yielded. But God's desire is that we be yielded and that he would then sanctify us in our yieldedness and our, our life becomes increasingly more blameless. We have a reputation that is increasingly more suitable to a child of God. Uh, men, a reputation that is increasingly more suitable to be called as a pastor. Let me ask you this. Have you, have you been, been aware ever of pastors who fall into great sin? I have been, and it breaks my heart. It's, it's broken my heart. I have cried real tears over pastors who have fallen into very real sin. What's the consequence of a pastor falling into great sin? What's the consequence of a pastor getting arrested and his name showing up in the newspaper? Uh, what's the consequence of that? Is it, does it help the reputation of churches? Not in this world it does, and it never has. It doesn't help the reputation of churches. Does it help the reputation of Christians? No, it doesn't. People look at that and say, oh, look, they're just like everybody else. In a sense, we are, but we're, we're people who are saved and who are supposed to be yielded. And uh, if we are, there's, there will be sanctification, the work of the Holy Spirit, and a life that is increasingly blameless. Uh, I've seen pastors fall into sin and pub great public sin and uh, into the newspapers and, and have to resign their pastorate and great harm done to churches. So the pastor needs to be one who is yielded to God. He can't be perfect. He won't be perfect. But in his yieldedness, the Holy Spirit is affecting a blamelessness, a, a sanctification, a protection from this kind of stuff that would uh, harm the church and its reputation and harm Christians and their reputation and harm the reputation of Christ himself. Uh, I think of the example of Elizabeth and Zacharias. Uh, what was their privilege? What, 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 what did they get to do? They got to be the parents of, of whom? You remember? John the Baptist, right? That's a pretty big privilege. The forerunner uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who paved the way uh, for the coming of the Messiah. 
Uh, they weren't perfect, but they were endeavoring to live holy lives for the Lord as yielded people of God. Luke 1 and verse 6, you can just listen, it says this, they were both righteous before God. They were righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord. The Bible says blameless blameless. I know they weren't perfect. I know they weren't keeping the commandments and ordinances absolutely perfectly. All have sinned to come short of the glory of God. I understand that. But their heart was to know God's word and to obey God's word, to live righteously before God, to be blameless before God and, and before the world. And so God chose them to have this great opportunity to serve him by becoming the parents of, of John the Baptist. Uh, what a great privilege. What a great blessing for yielding to the Lord and leading a life that was sanctified by the Lord, which resulted in that practical blamelessness. Uh, I, I rather think that Mary was in a similar place, right? She was not perfect, uh, as the Roman Catholic Church will teach. She was not sinless. She was a woman, uh, like any other woman, but a woman who was evidently yielded to God uh, to a degree that she was suitable for the Lord to call to serve as uh, the, the human mother of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a great privilege. What a blessing for yielding to God and allowing him to sanctify and, and to have a life that was relatively blameless among others the Lord might have chosen. Um, the man who would be called to serve as a pastor is, is that man. He's yielded to God. God is bringing forth a holiness in his life and he has a reputation that is suited to that place of service. Praise God. Guys, this is, this is what we want. Whether, whether God calls you to serve as a pastor or not, this should be our desire, to have this blameless reputation for the Lord. It's suitable uh, for a Christian man, no matter where you're called to serve. Uh, it's, it's required if God would call you to serve as a pastor. Well, someone's saying, I'll just disqualify myself. Then God will never be able to call me. Uh, is that a right heart? <laughs> Mike, it wouldn't be a right heart, would it? I wonder if men sometimes have done that. I'm afraid that God's calling me to serve as a pastor. I feel like in, in my heart, the Holy Spirit is poking me and prodding me to get ready to serve as a pastor. I don't want to do that, so I'll disqualify myself. Oi. That's the, that's the, the theological term, Marilyn. Oi. <laughs> Lord, help us to just give ourselves to you and to understand what you desire in our lives recognizing that if we'll live the way you call us to live, yielded to you, relying upon you for the strength, the grace to live, you can use us in a great way, and some of us even as a pastor. What's going to be rewarded in eternity for the believer? What is God going to reward you for in eternity? Is he going to reward you for what Jesus did? I'm going to be rewarded in eternity just because I'm saved. No, Jesus saved you. <laughs> Isn't that right? He saved me. Amen? He saved me. I needed to be saved. Trust me. Oh, we believe it, Pastor. 
What are you going to be rewarded for in eternity? What's it, what's it going to be? What are you going to be judged for? You're going to be judged for what? Not your sin, but I got a different S word. Your service, right? You're going to be judged by Christ when you stand before him, not at the great white throne judgment, which is where sinners will be judged for their sin, but we, every single one of us is going to stand before Christ and, and we'll be judged for our service. And the crowns will be given out and you will have your reward in eternity based on the service that we yield to in this life. Brother Ray, it seems to me that we would do well to give our life completely to the Lord and serve him however he wants to use us um, because he wants that, period, out of gratitude for our salvation, but also with the understanding that the Lord will bless us in eternity for that same service, this side of heaven only. If a man has the opportunity to serve as a pastor, that would be a good thing, a good work. God will bless in eternity for that. Listen, God will bless you in eternity for however you serve him. You understand that? If he, he's given you a gift, he'll call you to serve as a member of a church. And if you'll do that with the right heart and do it faithfully, he'll, serve, he'll, he'll bless you. He'll reward you in eternity, whatever it is. What a shame it would be to stand before Christ knowing that you had been gifted by the Holy Spirit to serve in a particular place in your church, but you chose not to yield to the Lord and to not serve the way he had gifted you and called you and enabled you and to miss out on the eternal blessings that you might have known because you simply did not yield to God. That'd be a terrible shame. Bible does not say there'll be no tears in heaven. It says Lord will wipe them away. I dare say that there'll be tears at the recognition that we did not serve the way God enabled and called and therefore lost out on reward, especially when we consider that the reward in heaven, yes, it's for us, but the greater purpose of those eternal rewards is to bring glory to Christ in eternity. Rich, I only want rewards in eternity to bring glory to my Savior. I'll be content just to be in heaven, not in hell. Amen? If there's a crowns or eternal rewards that I can use with, with which to bring glory to my Savior in eternity, that's awesome. I'll take it for that purpose. If there's things that I'll miss out on in that regard because I didn't yield to God and serve him the way he wanted, there might be a tear or two. I know the Lord will wipe it away, but there might be a tear or two that need to be wiped away. Not have to be that way. Lord, help me to yield to you. Bring forth this blamelessness, this sanctification in my life and use me however you want. Lord, give me a passion for that. Set my heart upon that. Uh, God, get me fired up about that. Uh, get me into that place of service. Help me to give myself to you as a uh, living sacrifice. Lord, give me a real joy this side of heaven. Please bless me with joy as I yield to serve you and, and get into that place of service, whether it's a public, visible, formal thing, or whether it's a very private or semi-private, uh, informal thing. God, just help me to get into that, using that gift that you have given me 
for the benefit of our church and ultimately for your honor and your glory. God, get me excited about that. God, give me a joy in that. Doesn't that sound good? Doesn't that sound good? That's, that's what I desire for our church. That's my vision for our church today, that everybody just get yielded and let the Holy Spirit grow us and get into that place of service and let God bless you here, uh, especially with joy and peace and all the things that we need today. Lord, help us. I'm going to stop there. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you this morning. Lord, I thank you this morning for the great privilege that we have to know you. Lord, I thank you this morning for the great privilege we have to serve you. Lord, I thank you for the amazing truth that when we place our faith in Christ, we take up a position of holiness in your eyes. But Lord, that's a position that doesn't become practical until we yield to you. And the Holy Spirit brings forth that holiness, practical sanctification. Lord, help us to do that. If we've not done that, I pray we confess that this morning, even now, right now. And Lord, ask you to help us yield to you. Lord, I pray this morning that we take hold of the Bible truth that you've given us each a spiritual gift and a place to use it. Lord, help us to know our gift and be yielded to you and used by you. Lord, employing that gift in our church however you desire. Father, I pray this morning that our men especially, not only, but especially as we work through this passage. See those things that must characterize a man that God could call to serve as a pastor. Lord, I pray that our men would take these things up. Whether or not you ever call any to serve as a pastor, Lord, we see great value in these things. But Lord, I see, and we've seen this morning, that men who would take up these things and live a life that is characterized by these things may have the great privilege to serve as a pastor. Lord, there's no fear in that. If you call a man, you give him a heart, a desire, a passion for that. God, I pray for our ladies this morning. You've given each of them a spiritual gift. And you've placed them into this assembly to use that gift. Lord, thank you. I pray this morning that you help us to give ourselves to you afresh this morning. Lord, asking you to use us each as you desire. Lord, recognizing this morning that how you may choose to use us today may be quite different than yesterday. It may be quite different than tomorrow. Gifts can be employed in so many practical ways, different ways. Lord, I'm excited about that. 
I'm excited to see how you may use our people, formally or informally. The formality doesn't matter. The yieldedness and the desire to be used is what's mattered. Father, I thank you for that this morning. I pray that you give us each an excitement to be yielded to you and used by you, maybe in an exciting new way, maybe in the same way, but with a joy, enthusiasm, a passion, a heart to serve you. I pray, Father, for that. Yielded people serving you joyfully with passion and enthusiasm and excitement. Lord, give us that this morning, I pray. What a joy it is, Lord, to know you, to be saved. Lord, what an even greater joy to have the privilege to serve you and to look forward with a certain hope to the rewards in heaven, rewards that will bring great honor, glory to our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I love you this morning. I thank you. As we continue in coming messages to look at these qualifications, I pray that you give us a real heart to know these things, to apply them to our lives, and for our men especially, to desire not just to know these things, but to live them for all the reasons that we've discussed today. Lord, I love you, and I thank you, and I pray this in Jesus' name. All right, let's stand as we sing our final song for this morning. It's going to be hymn number 139, Christ the Lord is risen today. And praise the Lord for the victory we have through the resurrection of Christ. We'll sing all four verses of Christ the Lord has risen today. the Lord is risen today. Alleluia. Sons of men and angels say, Alleluia. Raise your joys and triumphs high. Alleluia. Sing ye heavens and earth reply. Alleluia. Again, our glorious King, Alleluia. Where, O oh, death, is now thy sting, Alleluia. Dying once, he all the safe, Alleluia. Where thy victory, O oh, grave, Alleluia. Redeeming work is done. Alleluia. For the fight, the battle won. Alleluia. Death in vain forbids him rise. Alleluia. Christ has opened paradise. Alleluia.
and the last. Sorry now where Christ hath fled. Alleluia. Falling our exalted head. Alleluia. Made like him, like him we rise. Alleluia. Ours the cross, the grave, the skies. Alleluia. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be here this morning. Please bless the services this evening. In Jesus' name I pray. One quick thing before you go, please. Um, the sign-up sheet for our upcoming scripture assembly this Friday and Saturday still has a few holes in it. Uh, if you've not yet been able to sign up, I just want to encourage you to do that this morning. That's important that we get that done this morning, please. Uh, I think the only session that's completely filled right now is uh, the late session on Saturday. The other ones still have at least one or two holes there. So. Uh, if you've not signed up, uh, please consider that. If you have questions, please see me this morning, but uh, we would like to get uh, 10 people signed up for each of the four sessions. So uh, help us out if you can, please. We're asking you not to sign up for two sessions on the same day. You know that. But uh, with that said, um, thank you. All right, so we'll see you online, online tonight, Lord willing, at 6 p.m. Thank you for being here this morning. God bless.